Rumor has it there is a secret base hidden underneath the Archelaus. So have you ever been in a spaceship? Don't try this at home. Secrets of Area 51 Reveal. I'm from Series A, not Series B. Who are you, huh? Yeah, hey, Mama. It's time to open your eyes, open your mind, and shift your paradigm. You're tuned in to another episode of All Night Village and Geeks, a podcast in which we investigate and discuss high strangeness and the weird world in which we live. I'm your host, Taylor, and across the virtual desk from me tonight is my brother, Seb. Seb, how you doing? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, friends and neighbors, good evening. It's great to be here. A pleasure as always. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. Excellent. Very good. Yeah. I've uh, we... We've made it another month. We've survived. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, sometimes that's, that's all you can do. Oh. Just be like, hey, we've made it another month. It's December now. Good Lord. Like, that's just, that's crazy. It's time to deck those halls. It, it is, definitely. I actually just last weekend was putting up uh, Christmas lights out front. Oh, cool. Very good. Nice. Cool. Um, it is, it's crazy that 2022 has gone this fast. It has gone pretty fast. This is true. Um, I don't know if that's a, a factor of... Like maybe the world's slowly starting to reopen from after the pandemic or I don't know. It's been a few things. I mean, you know, we talked about it last month. October seemed to race past. Right. Uh, There's probably only one conclusion. The Earth is caught in some sort of time warp that is accelerating the space-time continuum, the fabric, the very fabric of the universe. It's no what you're what you're saying is the the quickening that Art Bellow has talked about. Right, the quickening is is actually happening. I'm all about the Nestle quickening. Thank you very much. I there you go. That's 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 <laughs> the that's a quickening I can get by. Heck yeah! Oh, um, love that stuff. I've actually I've I've got a copy of that book that he signed. Oh, nice. Um, to someone else. <laughs> Obviously, I bought it used. <laughs> I've never met the man, unfortunately. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, and by the time I got around in life to being like, you know what? I just want to send this guy an email and say thanks for being so awesome. The emails that you'd ever hear about <laughs> on his show, like we're both dead. So it's like, well, Aww. and then he, then and then he passed, and so Gee, I'll have to thank him by SB seven. Yeah, my goodness. Yeah. Um, well, here we are, Christmas month, and um, we are talking about a nice snowy place. But before we do that, we need to talk about what is new in our weird for November. Seb, anything strange? You know, nothing too strange happened this past month. Although I will say um, Congress had mandated that October 31st, 2022, the Mm -hmm. Director of National Intelligence was expected to submit a new report on unidentified flying objects. Right, and right. I told all my coworkers it's coming out on Halloween. Yuck, yuck, yuck! I'm gonna eat all my candy and sit back and read it on the at least the unclassified summary online and have a good time. And I'll be darned if they didn't delay and push that back. And I don't even think it's been released yet as of the taping of tonight's show. So, as far as I know, no, it has not. I kind of bummed out. I'm a little bummed out. I'm more than a little bummed out. I just want to read you know weird stuff you know even if it's nothing big you know it's still kind of cool that they're you know even talking about it in my opinion Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so yeah so that kind of that's kind of 
what's going on in, in my world, but um, what what's new in your weird, Taylor? I you know it November wasn't a terrible like the weirdest thing is just going through switching back to standard time. Mm. That's always weird, um, but not in like the fun weird. It's just an annoying weird. Um, but I, I I will say like right after we recorded our last episode i had it all edited ready to go it was halloween and i'm like dude maybe i need to drop our episode today Mm -hmm. and i held off because uh the new kirk museum of the paranormal as they have rebranded themselves um dropped a special new project on that day and i went oh boy i'm glad we did not go up against this (laughs) um they have launched podcast oh so they they don't already have one no wow. oh okay no they don't they didn't they now do the haunted objects podcast oh. um which you can get all in audio format only mm. on all your favorite platforms or you can watch on youtube and um honestly i have to say this is the one podcast where i do both mm, okay i will listen to it and then you know within the next week i'll watch it on youtube mm-hmm. Um, because one, it just, it looks so well done. Oh, okay. Like their, their studio that they've set up in their house is so cool. Um, it's hilarious. Mm. You know, they'll, uh, they'll insert, you know, uh, uh, pictures and, and, and stuff that they find as they're talking about mm-hmm. their topic. Um, and plus they, you know, you get to see them show off the, the object from their collection mm, mm-hmm. that they're talking about. Okay. Um, so that is totally worth checking out. Highly, highly, highly recommend it. Um, I, I suspect that most of our listeners are probably, I'm preaching to the choir, mm. but if you've not heard of it and you want to check it out, by all means, the Haunted Objects podcast. And if you have Netflix, I strongly recommend uh, checking out a, I'm, let's call it an adult animated series called Inside Job. Oh, sounds intriguing. Um, it, it's it's hilarious. Okay. It basically is a kind of cartoon send-up of conspiracy theories and deep state stuff. Mm, okay. And, and all of that. Um, part two, call it season two, part two uh, came out on the, I think, the 18th, I think just last Friday. Okay. Um, and so there's... There's the first part, which I think was eight or ten episodes, and now the second part. So if you've not seen it, um, definitely go and watch it. This is not for the kids. Lots of swearing. Oh, okay. Lots of swearing, some violence, you know, all of that. But at the same time, this is a place where Mothman runs HR. It's kind of hilarious. (laughs) Nice. It's really kind of (laughs) hilarious. So highly recommend that as well. Check that out. Uh, so well, yeah, what are we talking about tonight? Yeah, we I, I I made a point of teasing it in the little outro clip mm. last month, uh, stealing the audio from Carl talking about some of these straight line connections mm. in Hellier and how one line goes directly over Mount Shasta, Mount Shasta, or as they like to call it Mount Shasta, <laughs> which just sounds really really <laughs> weird to my West Coast ears, but 
it's not the only people I've heard pronounce it that way. Mm. So I suddenly went, crap, that I've been pronouncing it wrong my whole life. <laughs> I love it. That's right. We're talking about tales from Mount Shasta. All right. Standing at a commanding 14,149 feet, California's Mount Shasta towers over the surrounding towns in Siskiyou County. It's a destination for hikers, campers, and skiers alike. However, its lenticular clouds and unusual history at the southern end of the Cascade Range make it a destination for a whole different crowd. Hippies, spiritualists, and other... I hate to use the term, New Agers, not to mention shysters, uh, flock to Mount Shasta given its weird history amongst people in those circles. This month, we are taking a look at Mount Shasta, some of its history, some more recent events in the area, and even some of our own experiences with the mountain. Oh, I love it. This is going to be a good one, I think. Yeah, and I, I got to say, I mean, this was really what I kind of envisioned this because we wanted to do a couple of like lighter month topics after kind of coming off like the deep dive we did on Hellier. Mm -hmm. I was like, we're going to look up some Bigfoot sightings. We're going to talk about some UFO sightings. You know, we're going to be like, hey, have you heard of this weird crystal shop in town? Mm -hmm. And then I pop in one day and you have just done this <laughs> amazing deep dive. <laughs> oh, um, I thought maybe we'd actually get through talking about Mount Shasta without talking about Lemuria because I was thinking we'd someday do an episode just on Lemuria. Um, and maybe we still will, but I don't think you can, I don't think you can talk about one without talking about the other. I've realized. I, I, I think you're right because, um, I'm, I was really excited about tonight's episode. I mean, fair warning. I've never been to Mount Shasta, unlike yourself. So I'm definitely yep. excited for you to pop in and give your own two, two cents about, you know, different things having, you know, been there in person. Um, before I started studying for tonight's show, I really knew very little about Mount Shasta. Um, I pretty much only knew about Shasta Cola, like, you know, Dr. Shasta, uh, yes. Dr. Shasta yep. Diet, you know. Um, yep. I, Tiki Punch. Tiki Punch, yes. Um, I still know relatively little about Mount Shasta, but compared to what I knew beforehand, I knew a lot more. I know a lot more now. And almost all of it I have to attribute to a great resource called Mount Shasta, an annotated bibliography by a guy named, I'm going to mess up his name, William C. Meese, 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 M-I-E-S-S-E. I would pronounce it Meese. Meese, yeah, Mr. Meese. But yeah, M-I-E-S-S-E, yeah, that's like Germanic in some sense. And his, he just put, he put together just a really, really great resource. And he has chapters on like all the weird legends and stuff. And, Mm -hmm. Basically, um, I probably put too much in the show notes uh, this week or this month. Um, but, you know, I think I think the best way to think about it is that there seems to be, from what research I've been able to do, the tales of Shasta, Mount Shasta, can kind of be divided into three main groups, in my opinion. Okay. okay. The, the first is Mount Shasta's connection with a lost continent of Lemuria. Right. The second is what we might call or what has been called ascendant masters oh yeah and, we're gonna we're gonna talk about those guys and, huh? and and yeah and the third one and i actually think it's the most intriguing is the idea of mount shasta is as, as an interdimensional portal so there's this is kind of like the three ring circus you know the three acts of the play that we're going to be doing tonight in my opinion um i'm excited to jump into it um did you know mount shasta is california's tallest and most dangerous active volcano who knew i well i did know it was a volcano mm -hmm. 
I thought we had taller mountains, but I guess if we're just talking volcanoes. Yeah, as, as, long as, as far as active volcanoes, yeah, it's definitely the tallest. Yeah, gotcha. Not the tallest uh, mountain in California. Um, no, because that's, uh, what, Mount Whitney? I think so, yeah. I think so. Um, I, did you know this? This, is gonna, this blew my mind. Mount Shasta <laughs> isn't even Mount Shasta. Say, wait, what? Okay, this is this blew my this blew me away. Of course, Mount Shasta had many different names that the different indigenous peoples that lived around it called it, right? Of course, yeah. The, yeah. the first Americans who showed up named it Mount Jackson. The British showed up; they called it Mount Pitt. And then, get this: this is crazy. In southern Oregon is a mountain that today we do not call Mount Shasta, but it was originally named Mount Shasta. And then, when they did the whole Oregon Trail thing with all the immigrants. There was a really right. famous map that they all used that accidentally called our Mount Shasta Shasta. So then they just kept that name. But here's it gets even weirder. Man, here and here I thought they named it after the cola. <laughs> I know, right? Shasta. Nobody knows what that word is. Some people think it's a corruption of a French word or a Russian word or an indigenous word, and they don't even know where the spelling came from because all the old maps spelled it completely different. It was like S A X T I, oh. which is like crazy, you know. That is super weird. So what's what's the mountain in Oregon? Oh, it's like like is it? It's not still called Shasta. No, they, now they call it like oh, I'm gonna get this wrong, but it's like Mount Mc, McDouglas or something, McDougal or something like that. Okay. Um, yeah, that's it, interesting. And is that is that something you found under that uh, um, that William Meese? Yes, yes, I did. Um, nice. Yeah. So. Um, I guess the first thing to kind of start out with tonight is the whole connection with Mount Shasta with Lemuria. And this is kind of fun because, you know, you and I were both from San Jose and we're both we both grew up in a neighborhood that is well known for its famous uh, Egyptian Rosicrucian Museum. Yes, that's right. A mere handful of blocks from where we grew up. Exactly. Um, which, you know, one day we'll have to do a Rosicrucian episode, I guess. I th- yeah, I suppose we should. But anyway, the guy who apparently is the most influential in connecting Shasta with the legend of the lost continent of Lemuria was the the brains behind San Jose's Rosicrucian Museum, a noted author, occultist, and mystic who named Harvey Spencer Lewis, 1883 to 1939. Um, Hmm. This is really interesting because, like, not only did he start this wacky Egyptian museum, but he's actually buried on the site under, like, a weird, like, pyramid thing. Is he really? Yeah, and you know what? Not only did my middle not only did the middle school that i attend was it like literally across the street from the museum but my art class would sometimes take a quote-unquote field trip where we would walk across the street and like our Mm -hmm. assignment would be to like sketch this guy's little pyramid you know what i'm saying oh interesting yeah so lewis the rosicrucian guy in 1925 he starts writing some articles under the pen name selvius um and later on under the the pen name Wishar S. Survey. And Interesting. he writes a two-page article um, that was the most important document in establishing the modern Mount Shasta Lemurian legend. And he starts writing about how there's a hidden city on Mount Shasta that is lived in by the super advanced descendants of the lost continent of Lemuria. And he talks all about these folks. He talks about here's a here's a great quote. Occasionally, they have purchased goods of an unusual kind in the stores, the stores in the local town, mm-hmm. always offering in payment a bag of gold nuggets of far greater value than the articles purchased. They have no need of money and manufacture. They produce and grow within their own village all that four to 500 men, women, and children require. Gold nuggets of far greater value 
value than the articles purchased, and they have refused to accept any change. Those who have seen some of them at their midnight ceremony around the fire claim they have seen the silhouettes of some four or five hundred figures. Various members of the community, garbed as was their official representative in pure white, gray-haired, barefoot, and very tall, have been seen on the highways and streets near Shasta. <laughs> he goes on to say in another writing, quote... In, in, in all honesty, that just sounds like homeless people. <laughs> or like hippies, right? Yeah. It, it, but this was 1925. 1925. And he goes on, he says, These odd-looking persons were tall, graceful, and agile, with larger heads, much larger foreheads, headdresses that had a special decoration that came down over the center of the forehead to the bridge of the nose, and thus hid or covered a part of the forehead that many have attempted to see and study. (laughs) Wow. So 1925 was the very first time that anybody published an account of Mount Shasta as a home for these Lemurians. Now, the thing is... This our our dude Lewis here, Mr. Rosicrucian. What when he wrote this, he's basically um, taking a lot of different strands that had already been kind of floating around and brought them all together. Okay. So, for instance, let's talk really quickly about Lemuria. So, back in the 19th century, um, this was before the idea of plate tectonics and like you know geography and all that good stuff Mm -hmm. people apparently scientists were really confused because if you went to like madagascar and india you could find the same fossils of ancient like lemur like little monkey tech and so right and so they're thinking well maybe there once was this lost continent that bridged these two different places and that's how these like lemurs walked around you know and now it's sunk and then in the 19th century, there's a really famous German scientist named Ernst Haeckel. And not only did he like this Lemurian idea, but he thought that Lemuria might have been where like the human race got started, right? Fast forward to 1908, and there's a California occultist named Adelia H. Taffender. And she, Taffender. And she, <laughs> she wrote this famous article where she suggested that maybe these Lemurians actually escaped and got to California somewhere. And she, and she talks about how um, that Californians had Lemurian ancestors who were gigantic in height, correspondingly broad, possessing tremendous power, attaining the height of 60 feet. What? So they're giants, basically, you know? Like mega giants. Mega giants. And then we also get, so 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 Spencer's taking Lemuria, he's taking Taffender, who's saying that Lemurians came to California, and then, I, oh, go ahead. But I'm, I'm, I'm caught on the fact that, that you know, we're, we're kind of running with the idea that, you know, Lemuria was between Madagascar and India, right? Right, right. because of lemurs, right. right? And and so this this quote unquote continent sinks, yeah. and the people who escape it go, huh? Well, where do we go now, guys? Right. And somebody whips off his sunglasses and goes, "Let's go to <laughs> California." Right, California, here I come. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I mean, like, like seriously, this is this is the root of like, oh yeah, California's just full of all those weirdos. <laughs> it's because it's we're all descended from Lemurians or something. It's like, yeah, it's like you have this lost continent in the Indian Ocean, and all of a sudden it's in the Pacific Ocean. It's like, hello, what's going on here? Well, it just it seems it just seems funny to me that the Theosophist who is like in California goes, well, naturally they came. Oh, of course, right? Yeah, because yeah, because I'm in California. Like, yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Oh my God. Okay, go ahead. Oh yeah, go yeah, ahead. yeah. So anyway, 
And then you get to this other guy who's huge part of the story of the Mount Shasta tales. I've mentioned him on a previous episode, but I actually mis- misrepresented the facts of his case. So this is a okay. great chance I can correct myself. And I'm talking about the none other than Frederick Spencer Oliver, 1866 to 1899. And in the 1880s, he was living in Siskiyou County. Wait, he only lived to be 33? He did. He lied very, wow. very young. Oh, wow. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. Um, so in the 1880s, like 1883, 1884, he starts writing a novel. And he claims that this novel was transmitted to him from the voice of a, a non-corporeal entity, an invisible person who went by the name of Philos the Thebian. But he also had an alternate name, Yol Goro, right? And so he's writing this book mostly in the site of Mount Shasta. And he finishes it in 1886. And this novel, um, written in an autobiographical tone of voice, um, combines philosophical, occult, and religious concepts um, and talks about the... The narrative is, is, is the spiritual wanderings of this Philos individual, first alone, and then later on with his Chinese friend, friend Kuang. And they travel through lands both physical and ethereal over the rather long period of 30 centuries. And then finally... Well, these two best buddies end up in a tunnel, a hidden tunnel inside of Mount Shasta. Now, this is a buddy film that I would totally watch. This is totally a buddy film. Um, so wait a second. He's he's writing this. He was born in 1866. He's writing this before he's even 20 years old. Yes. Yes, that's right. That's really kind of wild when you think about it. It is wild. And he talks about how, um, in his book, he talks about how... Um, uh, the, these, this underground city in, inside of Mount Shasta, the walls polished as if by jewelers, though excavated by giants, floors carpeted with long fleecy gray fabric that looked like fur but was a mineral product, ledges ledges intersected by the boulders and in their wonderful polish exhibiting veining of gold and of silver, green copper ores. It's this really fascinating thing. But here's the thing. Oliver doesn't actually claim that the people living in this hidden city inside the mountain are actually from Lemuria or have anything to do with the Lost Continent. Okay. And then, six years after he dies, in 1905, his mother Mary publishes the manuscript as a book, right? Do we know Do we know how he died? Oh, I think it was I think it was something like tuberculosis or one of those horrible oh. diseases, I think. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, fair. So 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 just to recap, we've got we've got the idea of Lemuria, we've got this lady who's saying that Lemuria and California are connected. And now we've got um, Oliver who's talking about that there's a hidden city inside of Mount Shasta. His book, by the way, was called A Dweller on the on Two Planets or right. The Dividing of the Way. And this is this is a book that actually Tyler brings up in Hellier. Right. This is right. Exactly. Um, and then the last the last piece of the puzzle is a guy named Edgar Lucian Larkin, eighteen forty seven to nineteen twenty five. He was a well known science writer and contributor to Hearst newspapers, um, who authored hundreds of articles and books, was really interested in the occult. Um, he ran an observatory in Los Angeles called the Mount Low Observatory, mm-hmm. which when I read that, I was really impressed because I know that there's a really famous observatory in Los Angeles, but actually the really famous one was right next door called Mount Wilson Observatory. <laughs> yeah, over at uh, Griffith Park. Yeah, apparently the Mount Low Observatory was a tourist attraction operated by the Pacific Electric Railroad in conjunction with their Mount Low Inn. And Larkin was in charge of showing the stars through a small telescope um, to tourists until the mechanism broke down and the inn burnt up. Um, (laughs) So anyway, so I was a little less impressed by that. But nonetheless, in 1913, Larkin writes a series of newspaper articles uh, 
where he connects the lost continent of Atlantis mm -hmm. to the Oliver book. So all of a sudden, now Chasta... Oh, man, they're coming to get you. Oh, the sirens, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, um, all of a sudden, Mount Shasta and its hidden city are connected to a lost continent, albeit not Lemuria. So, right. so anyway, going back to Lewis, our, our Rosicrucian guy, he's the one that basically puts everything together. Mount Shasta, a hidden city, a connection to a lost continent, and Lemuria, and boom, it just explodes like wildfire. And I think that um, the idea of Lemurians inside Mount Shasta is probably of all the different uh, myths and tales associated with Mount Shasta is, is one of the oldest and one of the most famous. Um, and it's crazy because there are so many different types of myths and stories about Mount Shasta. I mean, a person could almost do an entire podcast just on the topic of Mount Shasta and each episode be a different legend and tale, you know? Oh, I, I thought you meant, I thought you were making a joke about what we're doing right now. No! <laughs> like I'm... do a podcast episode. I'm like, oh, yes. oh no yes i bet they could oh my gosh no i mean i'm like there's like i i feel like i went overboard on this this month's episode and there's like tons of stuff i left on the cutting room floor it's crazy wow um so anyway so that's kind of like the biggest that's like the first part of this story i guess just the lemurian connection basically yeah so it's it's really these uh, like you said these strands these threads uh -huh. that harvey lewis eventually kind of like pulls together mm -hmm. and then and then you know does a you know sixth grade essay length article mm -hmm. right because it's all of two pages well it it, it 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 it's really short but it was so influential and i i read that it must have been within 10 years i think the rosicrucian order had to write a letter to the like mount shasta chamber of commerce or something basically dis disclaiming everything and saying hey whoa 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 we really didn't mean it because so many people were going up there and just like farting around you know oh that's crazy oh, it's, yeah it's totally crazy that that that's funny because i mean you know I, and i and i'm sure you'll talk about it at some point but you know um, um mount shasta itself just in terms of geological features there's totally like giant lava tubes right right in there that that you know can be explored i think you've got to take a tour in order to do it mm. but i mean i've seen pictures compared to the height of a person they're massive i can see why people would think that there were giant underground cities in here and these things were hollowed out by giants now i i, I really want to would you feel comfortable at this point in the show talking a little bit about your own time up in that part of the state or oh absolutely because i just want to know what what like, firsthand like what did it look like what was it what was it like what did it feel like so so i i got familiar with this part of california through a vw bus adventure that happens in winter called the shasta snow trip okay um and and if you want an idea for listeners of what that is like go to youtube search shasta snow trip and probably throw in the word volkswagen um and you'll find an idea of what it is it's basically a bunch of guys in their 50 60 year old buses um driving as many unpaved roads mm. from basically like clear lake to mount shasta mm -hmm. in well it started out being like you know you do it in a day and now it's kind of taken on more of a yeah we'll do it in a couple of days oh. because people want to take different routes and longer routes and so it 
turned into a, a longer affair. Okay. Um, I first kind of clued into it around 2005 and really, really wanted to go, and I didn't make that happen until 2008, mm. um, which of course was the snowiest year on record. There are some years where it is the Shasta dust trip, mm. um, but 2008 was definitely snow, and I had like little to no snow driving experience. Mm. Um, so suffice it to say, um, that very first year when we actually got up to Mount Shasta City, I never saw the mountain. Mm, okay. It, it was it was clouded in. It was snowy the whole time. I never saw the mountain. Okay. Um, saw the town plenty. Um, so it wasn't until uh, 2010 when I did the trip that year mm. um, that I actually saw the mountain. Okay. And it it is it is huge. It is majestic there's no missing it it's it's beautiful it's awe-inspiring and and you know you you literally seeing the lenticular clouds over it because you know it, it is so tall that it kind of creates its own weather up there i i see why people go oh there's a ufo hiding back there mm. because they really do take that shape mm -hmm. um the vibe of the town i i kind of kind of makes me feel like um Oh, I feel like I described it somewhere in my uh, notes. Here it is. Yeah, it's it, it, it's it's funky. Um, it's it's this whole mix of like you know, kind of like you know, very down to earth, very earthy people. But there's also a a segment of you know, I'm up here because I want my freedoms. Mm. Kind of sense. You get a lot of like State of Jefferson mm. stickers mm -hmm. um, on some of their vehicles and stuff. So I, I think about it kind of like a, a one part Boulder Creek and one part Capitola, mm. but set way up in the mountains. Um, and that might make sense to you <laughs> if you've ever, <laughs> if anybody else has ever been to Boulder Creek and Capitola in California, <laughs> you, you get an idea. There's, there is a, a touristy aspect to it because there's skiing to be done and hiking to be done. And, you know, just being in the town, it's very easy just to be like, oh, I'm going to go walk through downtown. Mm. Oh, here's a crystal shop. Oh, here's, you know, a, um, uh, an outdoor outfitters shop there's 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 plenty of stuff you can do i have a bumper sticker that um a good friend of mine um uh sent down to me uh i had seen it on somebody's bus one year um and i was like oh my god i need that bumper sticker and i could never find it and then somebody who lives up there was like i found one mm. what's your address nice and it's it says mount shasta we're all here because we're not all there. <laughs> I like it. And I was like, yeah, I like the <laughs> sticker. Um, anyway, but there is, it's so difficult to try to put into words. Mm. Um, but, but there is a, a vibe. Um, there is something about that place where when you're not there, mm. like it, once you go there and once you kind of experience it and see it, and I haven't even actually driven up the mountain mm. at all. Mm -hmm. um, I have lots of friends who have, um, but it seemed like every single time that opportunity presented itself, I was either trying to fix something or exhausted or one year I had a stomach bug. Mm. But that's a whole other matter. Um, but I definitely had the experience of there would be times of year <clears throat> where I would just... 
I'd get kind of obsessed. Mm -hmm. Like all I could think about was just, you know, being on this trip, going back up there, um, just experiences I've had up there, just being with friends and having this adventure mm -hmm. and stuff. And <clears throat> in and amongst that group, we'd refer to it as the Shasta Shakes. Mm. You know, you're kind of just, you're getting Jones in for that adventure. You know, you're, you're, you're in the mood to just kind of get out there and get up there. I wonder sometimes now kind of doing more of this kind of investigation uh work into some of these these aspects if it wasn't the mountain calling to us is is mount chasta the kind of thing where like there's a whole bunch of mountains and then it sticks up or is it more like it things are mostly flat and it just comes out of nowhere like devil's tower um, in, in, in close encounters kind of thing it's i mean it is it you're already in kind of a mountainous area yeah. I'm pretty sure Mount Shasta City, you're already at like 3,000 feet, uh -huh. <clears throat> maybe a smidge more. Um, and there are other mountains around, but nothing comes close okay. so, to the 14,000 foot summit. So it's head and shoulders above whatever else is out around Easily. the horizon. Oh, okay. Easily. I think, I think the next closest large mountain is on the other side of like, you know, you're kind of at the... the very tip of the central valley yeah. at that point but it's on the other side of it mount lassen okay to the east i think that's the next closest large mountain i mean heck the the oregon border is closer yeah than to mount shasta than than mount lassen is and i've been to mount lassen mount lassen's cool mm. okay uh but to be comparative does not have the same vibe okay does not have the same feeling interesting that this town has so i i truly believe there's something to it i believe there is something to that land to that mountain mm, okay yeah um great well hey the second part of our three ring circus tonight uh is what i like to call Mount Shasta as an interdimensional portal. Yeah. Now, this is kind of weird because it's not, of all the, the three aspects we're talking about tonight, it's not necessarily the one that I find the most fun or funny, but it's it's definitely the one that made me think the most because it, it seems to have the most like eyewitness stories backing it up, sort of. It's 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 kind of the one that I kind of like latch onto. Maybe isn't the right word, mm. but the, yeah, there's enough weirdness here that I'm like, this feels plausible right because when we get to the the last ring of the circus and circus is a good word for it <laughs> i'm like this is nothing but grifters and comment um we'll get to that, we'll get to that. Stay, stay, yeah stay tuned yeah. folks stay, stay tuned <laughs> uh, so yeah hit me hit me with this yeah. interdimensionality so you know we last left mount shasta in 20, 1925 spencer writes his article fast forward to 1936 there's a guy named john p scott and he writes another book. He writes a book called The Mystery of Mount Shasta. And he adds an interdimensional aspect to the story. Basically what happens is he ends up in Mount Shasta in the early 1930s and he starts interviewing local residents. And he writes this book where he rejects the existence of walking, talking, real-life Lemurians, but goes on to then proceed and talk about the fact that there might be basically interdimensional Lemurian. He writes, quote, there are no storekeepers in the vicinity who have ever exchanged merchandise for gold nuggets with any strange inhabitants of this mountain. There are no temples or ruins on the mountain. Um, and then he says, these ancient people are not on the physical plane, nor are there temples. We think that many earthbound spirits from the old civilization which once existed in this locality are still there, held closely bound to the earth for centuries by their materialistic ideas. Mount Shasta seems to us to be a so-called sensitive spot in which it is easier to contact those 
lives on the other planes than most other places. Ah, so it's 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 a sensitive spot. I'm sure somebody somewhere is making a joke of like, yes, but men have such trouble finding it. <laughs> hey oh Hey Thank you. Uh, Thank you. So I'll be here all week. <laughs> so anyway, so this 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 nugget got me really curious. Yeah. And in get this, in nineteen fifty six a story emerged about a group of people who climbed to the top of Mount Shasta way back in the year eighteen seventy. Oh, okay. And this story is crazy because it claims that at about eleven thousand feet elevation, everybody on this climbing expedition, all of their watches mysteriously stopped at the same time. But as the party climbed back down, their watches started up again at exactly the same altitude. Now, this really kind of stuck in my mind. It really got me thinking. Um, because That's interesting. 11,000 feet, that's about tree line. That's about the elevation at which the trees stop growing on the mountain. Okay. So I'm thinking, okay, what's, what's important about the tree line? Well, in 1991, there was a collection of interviews made with American Indians who were living in the region. Mm-hmm. And um, now there's the Shasta Indian tribe that lives up there amongst many other tribes. And their name in their language for Mount Shasta is, and I'm apologies, I'm going to... Do you want me to try and do it? Yes, please. Okay. Okay. So, again, apologies if I completely butcher this, but I read it as Wakanuni Tukiwuki. That sounds beautiful. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Apparently, that's the name for the mountain, but it's also the name of what they believe is the creator of their people. And okay. according to this 1991 collection of interviews, this name literally means to walk around and around but never on top. And it should be repeated twice anytime the mountain comes into the view of a, a member of the Shasta tribe, the, into view of their vision. Interesting. And according to this group of people, the area above the tree line on Shasta has been reserved for the gods and therefore is not a place a Shasta person would travel except under special circumstances. Hmm. So that gets me thinking too. And then... I, oh, go ahead. I, well, I, I just... Yeah, that is really interesting. And, and I, 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 I love the, the myth and the idea of, of hitting that line mm-hmm. and all your watches stopping. Like you've, you've transitioned between worlds there. I just want to know why we've got this story from 1870 only surfacing in 1956. That's that's where I'm like, why is there this huge discrepancy of like almost a hundred years? Right, right. Um, and I think it. I think when it came out in 1956, it came out not in like a article or a publication, but on like an early television show. Even. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, now, so anyway, so that got me thinking too. It's like, okay, the tree line, and then. There's all these weird accounts of people who are, like, phasing in and out of invisibility with Shasta. So, in Hmm. 1985, a lady named Marjorie O'Hara wrote a book titled Southern Oregon. And it includes in it an interview with a person who lived in Mount Shasta, a local man named Archie McKillop. And he talks about himself an experience he had himself with a friend that he would they were being followed on mount shasta by something that made crunches in the snow but was never seen and i was like "Ooh, that's kind of that's kind of spooky and then let's see what else was there there was a um a woman named flora jones who was born in 1909 she was a member of the wintu tribe and she was a shaman a religious person and she had conducted indian ceremonies on mount shasta for decades and she talked about how spirits that she believed that were there according to an interviewer um 
they could not be drawn. Somebody asked once if they could, if she could draw what they look like because she said their appearing appearance was fleeting. It was beyond description. Hmm. And then we get to a guy named Grant. Again, I'm going to mispronounce this. Towendolly. Ta- Towendolly. Towendolly. Yeah. Grant. Yeah. Grant Towendolly. Um, born 1873, died 1963. He was um, he was also Wintu. He was a noted Wintu storyteller, and he's connected to a whole bunch of weird interdimensional experiences on Mount Shasta. So, um, in 1908, for instance, an account was published of him leading three climbers on a summit attempt the year before, and it it says in quote it says here beneath a group of pine trees we made our camp before retiring. Towendali told us we would not sleep much. We hear them talking. Spirits of old winter Indians who guard Mount Shasta as this tribe is superstitious about climbing the Interesting. In 1954, there's a woman named Marcel Mason. Actually, I'm assuming that's a woman's name. I really don't know. Um, anyway, this individual wrote a letter to a guy named Arthur Eichhorn. And he was mm-hmm. he wrote a book called The Mount Shasta. Anyway, he, she, he or she, this individual writes this letter to the author. Quote, in regard to stories about Shasta, Grant Towendali has told us that the Indians believed that there was an invisible race of people living on the mountain. He said his father had heard them up there. I believe it was the laughing of children he had heard. This letter also contains other stories concerning, concerning Towendali's explanations of strange sightings on Mount Shasta. One friend of Mrs. Mason in the that you were right, that was right, right. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, in one friend in the company of Grant Towendali had seen a horseback rider driving cattle disappear in an instant. In another story, a different friend had seen a man with a red scarf disappear. See, this is. This is the stuff I love because this is, I feel like there's so much that we can make connections Mm -hmm. with, you know, I'm not even sure how much stock I put into like Tales from Skinwalker Ranch Mm. where you, you know, people report hearing voices coming from like above them and there's literally nothing above them, just open sky, Mm -hmm. Um, you know creatures you know or 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 people walking through the snow leaving footprints Mm -hmm. but not being there being visible um just the whole idea of you know vibrational frequency Mm -hmm. um ultra terrestrials you know uh just just existing Mm -hmm. on on a different vibrational frequency that that is above human vision Mm -hmm. or similarly below human vision i mean it could be either way so i i hear these tales uh-huh. and and i love it i i glom onto it because you know i really i think there there's the greatest likelihood of something being there uh-huh. i am i know you know um our friend olaf phillips of paranoia magazine um he's uh he's a big proponent of an area on Mount Shasta called Panther Meadow. Mm. Um, and there are, are many people, like not, not just him, who believe that that is, that, you know, that, that is like a, um, if not an energy vortice, but, but, but a, a place um, where portals occur. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just one of those things. I, and I don't, I think Panther Meadows is something like 7,000 feet. I don't think you're even close to 11,000 at mm-hmm. that point because um, you can literally drive there. Mm. Um, and and uh, I think there's even a little campground there too. Mm. Um, but that yeah, that's one of those things where I'm like, gosh, you know, I'd, I'd love to go 
camp even at that elevation yeah and be like do i get any experiences what what do i hear what do i see Um, because we'll talk in a little bit about some of the things that have been seen Mm -hmm. up there because i grabbed a couple of uh more recent cases from on the mountain but i'm sorry i'm digressing no 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 that's great I mean, it's interesting. There's a book called The Golden Goddess of the Lemurians written by a guy named Abraham Joseph Mansfield. Now that's a title. That's a title. Um, There's a chapter in the book entitled The Godly Lemurian Ghosts of Mount Shasta that includes an interesting idea, the idea of time standing still. And I started to wonder, maybe, maybe maybe these people that go above the tree line Maybe what's happening is they're actually tra- traveling. Maybe there's a rift in the space-time continuum up, up at the higher elevations, and the and the visitors end up traveling in between the ticks of the clock, and they become invisible to others, but not to themselves, and they experience themselves timelessness. So, is it possible if we expand our imagination and suppose that maybe these people in 1870, they climb up to the top of the mountain, their watches stop, and at mm-hmm. the time the watch stopped, like if you were below the tree line. It would look like they disappear. And then right. once they come down off the mountain, they reappear. But from their point of view, they were never anywhere. They never had gone anywhere. And then I right. started thinking, wait a second. That guy, Frederick Oliver, who wrote that book in the 1880s about like, yeah. a hidden city, mm-hmm. he said the book was being dictated to him by an invisible entity. Oh. So it's like, what if, what if some of these people, they go up there and they end up in this rift in the space-time continuum they become invisible but they're stuck they can't get back out maybe there's like a whole community of these folks living up there and that's the city and maybe they've gone and some people see them phase in and out of visibility some people hear them laughing or something like the children laughing and at least one of them ends up talking to a kid who ends up writing a book about his experiences in the 1880s you know i'm just i'm just gonna say this i like that answer best of all do you really i do yeah like that could be that could be you know even if it's even if it's not like the answer mm-hmm. it's 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 the starting of a great idea for a novel it has an internal consistency <clears throat> at least it does yeah it absolutely does yeah. i like that i like that very much so that's kind of the second part of this whole story and and i think we are now on to the... oh no hang oh, on no, wait, yeah, a wait a second wait a second i i'm looking at a note that you have here, here that I think we need to talk about. Here. One 1953 oh, book includes hey. Tau and Dolly's oh. Tale of Mount Shasta Giants. Oh my gosh. Yeah, this was... Um, because this... this uh, I'm just going to put a warning out there. This almost sounds like it gets a little graphic. This is a crazy one. This is a good point. So, uh, remember earlier we were talking about um, Tappender's book where she's saying that these ancient Lemurians came to California and they were giants, right? Right. So here's Toe and Dolly, and he's writing, or there's a book written in 1953 that relays one of his tales that he told. Quote, this is the story Grant told us. Giants, a mean and fierce people called the Soupchets, once lived up Flume Creek in Shasta County. These giants would come down the trails along the river, waylay the Indian people, kill them, and take them to their caves. The giants carried... Caves. <laughs> the giants carried no weapons, but squ- <laughs> but squeezed people to death. Well, dang. An underground tunnel, not man-made, holds all sorts of possibilities for investigation. One such opening, Grant said, is near the north end of railroad tunnel number eleven, above Sims on the west side. A Sukhchet is said to have lived there, and from his hole in the ground there led a subterranean passage to the top of Mount Shasta. Ooh, creepy. Yeah, that that whole like, oh yeah, we don't we don't need weapons. 
we'll just we'll squeeze you. Yeah, you know what? We'll... I, I liked them better when they were like giving us gold nuggets and just had giant foreheads. But now, like they're right? squeezing us to death. So that's. Uh... I I I liked it better when it was just those squeeze it drinks from the eighties. <laughs> Twist the top off it. Just... You, you just get a squeeze it and like a shasta cola, and there you go. There you go. Oh my gosh! It's snack time tonight. It is. Um, jeez. Should we? Uh, should we? Uh, should we do the masters? Uh, if we have to. You don't sound too excited about this I, part. I don't. Okay, look, I mean... It's okay. That's okay the talk the, the talk of Ascended Masters came up in our Hellier episodes. Okay. And I say this having listened to a fantastic podcast called The Nonsense Bazaar. Okay. Um, they did a multi-multi-part on the Ascended Masters movement and how it is just like... It's it's about as shysty as shysty can get. Mm, okay. Um, I literally, in doing a little bit of research this morning, just to kind of put the finishing touches on the notes, mm-hmm. as I'm looking up stuff on Mount Shasta, you know, Google's got like, oh, here's events happening in the area this, you know, this weekend mm-hmm. or this week or whatever. And they're literally, I think tomorrow evening, there's some sort of like, I am like breath play. Um, What's a breath play? I don't know. I didn't click. <laughs> I want to go to a breath play. I, I don't know. It sounds like I might be kind of kinky. I don't know. Not going to kink shame. If that's what you're into, breath like, play. It's all good. Whoa. It's. I don't know. Okay. It could just be a relaxation technique for all I know. Yeah, maybe it's like. But just the fact that there's still like I am stuff. Well, you know, it's 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 like spiritual Amway <laughs> up there. It's just it's like. You say Ascended Masters, and I kind of just cringe and go, okay, I know it's a thing, and it's going to come up, and we should address it and talk about it, but it just, like, if anybody comes to you folks and claims to be, like, you know, Saint Germain, or knows him, or knows his cousin, or whatever, be like, mm. Yeah, thanks. I gave it the office and just walk away. Please (laughs) save yourself. Okay, folks, you heard it from us first. Please take all of this with a big grain of salt. Um, (laughs) Just grab the salt lick right now. Just grab the salt lick. Um, uh, You know, I think you're right. But, I mean, on on the same hand, I think it would be remiss not to talk about Mount Shasta without mentioning these folks, you know. Agreed. It's like trying to talk about Mount Shasta but be like, okay, we're not going to address the Lemuria thing. You can't. They they are connected. Like I said, it does need to be talked about. I just I have internal feelings that I kind of right. need to work through. Thanks to thanks to nonsense bizarre. Well, let's 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 listen to what I came up with, and maybe you, the viewer, can make up your own mind and let us. Know. So I guess the ascendant master legend associated with Mount Shasta goes back to a guy named Guy Ballard, uh, 1878 to 1939. Um, back in 1930, Ballard claimed to have met an, an ascendant master by the name of uh, St. Germain on the slopes of Mount Shasta. Now, St. Germain was actually a real dude. He was an 18th century adventurer with an interest in science, alchemy, and the arts, and he claimed to be 500 years old, and he actually achieved some prominence in European high society. Mm -hmm. So Ballard claims that he met St. Germain on Mount Shasta, and he gave him a cup of creamy liquid that, quote, came directly from the universal supply, pure and vivifying as life itself, unquote. Okay, okay, okay. Whoa, 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 whoa. Um, that's just dirty. What? Uh, I'm sorry, a cup of creamy liquid that came directly from the universal supply? Well, it's pure and vi- Like, that just... Well, and that's great. That's exactly what some guy would say about... About what? About their creamy liquids. Hey, this, that's gross. What? 
can't. It, it does sound gross. Well, it could have been anything. It could have been rice pudding. It could have been. It could have been. Um, I don't know. What pul- cream of mushroom soup? Horchata, pulque. It could have been anything. Hor- hor- horchata. I don't know. I don't think it was horchata in Mount Shasta in 1930. Well, anyway, but hey, it's a free country. Ballard had no problem drinking Saint Germain's creamy liquid. <laughs> And you know what? They're consenting adults, so I'm going to go with it. All right, all right, fair. You're right. You're right. Anyway, so Ballard drinks this creamy liquid, and according to his book, he literally wrote, his life was forever transformed, and a religion was thus begun. And it's generally called the, quote, I am movement. Um, Ballard, writing under the pseudonym Godfrey Ray King, along with his wife Edna, stated in his 1934 book Unveiled Mystery that the Ascended Masters are great spiritual teachers who have mastered the relationship between thought and feeling and have learned to manifest the, quote, luminous essence of divine love. I mean, so far it seems rather benign. Yeah, no, and and you know what? You get a name like Edna. Edna's a nice, you know, wholesome yeah. 1930s name. I'm like, I'm not not, not going to piss on right, that, you know? Yeah. So these ascended masters are said to have ascended to a higher dimension from which they guard and help the evolving human race. So that seems to ch- chime with a lot of the content piece we've talked about in the past episode. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So Ballard's books and religious movement attracted many followers, and over the next 50 years, a host of splinter groups based on similar teachings and focused on Mount Shasta emerged, led by New Age writers including Nola Van Vailer, Erline Cheney, Norma, Norman Westphal, Pearl Doris, Elizabeth Clare Prophet, Mary Meyer, and others. Wow, it almost sounds like they just had like a bunch of weird names on a set of dice and just threw it down and like whichever two came up it's like okay i'm now earl line cheney it's like how that musician post malone got his stage name from like a website that auto generates rap star names yeah well yeah but so did um oh my gosh who am i thinking of um he was on community um um trent Reznor. No, no, no 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 oh my gosh why can I not remember Courtney his Love. name right now? Courtney Love. No, no. His, his. Oh, okay, fair. Um. Anyway. You too. Anyway, I'm thinking of um, Childish Gambino. Oh, oh, Childish Gambino. Right, right. Childish Took Gambino. me half a thank second. You, Sorry. You. Go ahead. Anyway. 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 So, with each new book, <clears throat> pamphlet, and lecture series, <laughs> Mount Shasta became populated with even more fantastic creatures, extraterrestrials, dwarfs, fairies, lizard-like people, and spiritual spiritual characters, including Duha, the Rohatels. The Octavians, High Priest Adama, Captain Aneto, Rama, Kutimi, Lanto, Sharula, and, my favorite, the intergalactic soup chef, Mo Long, as well as many, many others. Okay, so wait a second. I don't think that's actually a list of spiritual characters. I think that was actually the lineup for reggae on the mountain. Uh, I love this past weekend. I love the names. I love the names. I, I feel I feel like I feel like we need to come up you know what? I think I may have just come up with a new shirt design. A new shirt design. Wait, what is your a new, new shirt, shirt design? design? Tell me about your and new shirt it, design. It, it, it is going to look like a poster right. for a big like concert at Mount Shasta mm. and it is going to be all these crazy Oh right, or or it could be like the the the, the album cover to Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Land. It's got all the little heads, you know, of all the different. I I don't know that I can draw that well. <laughs> There'll be a bunch of stick figures, um, but wow, so sh- that is that's something else. Now Shasta is getting more and more crammed full of all these crazy, interesting, like amazing entities. And then my 
And then my crazy bus friends come along, and, and then like, holy crap. And your crazy bus friends come along, and yeah. this is getting more and more intense, and by the year 1960, I kid you not, the American Dictionary of Slang reported that the phrase, quote, from Mount Shasta was defined as a, quote, addicted to drugs, unquote. <laughs> Man, that's, if there is a piece of slang that needs to come back into usage. Seb, are you from Mount Shasta? Uh, personally, I'm not from Mount Shasta, but hey, it's a free country. Or at least it used to be. Um, God, that's great. Yeah, and it's just it's 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 a it's a wacky train that is still rolling to this day. Um, Mount Shasta's New Age and indigenous have not always been in harmony. This may be a little sad. In 1992, there was a writer and member of the local Pitt River tribe named Floyd Butts Buckskin who wrote, "Quote on Mount Shasta a couple years ago, there was a large gathering of people, and one of the springs used by Flora Jones. She was the Wintu shaman we mentioned earlier. Right." The spring was clogged with large crystals. Theodore Martinez, a cousin of mine, was really upset, and he let those people know. He took those crystals out and threw them down the hill. They became upset with him and told him to take his hatred and get out of there. He had no business being there. Uh, Which is really sad because it's like you got the, the New Age folks and then you got yeah. like the indigenous folks who have their own religious beliefs and they're totally, I'm not, not maybe, hopefully not totally or not always, but they're definitely in conflict, you know, so. Yeah, and see, that's the thing is there's, there's so much, like especially with the quote-unquote New Age mm-hmm. kind of types where and i'm greatly generalizing when i say this Mm. um and i'm saying it very much from my own perspective there are aspects of that culture for lack of a better term that seem to be very self-centered and self-serving um and so there is this sense of like in this situation you know oh we need to put these crystals here for for whatever reason Uh not thinking that it's clogging a spring that it is doing damage to the environment it's it's just you know it's acting without thinking about everything Mm -hmm. you know without thinking about your impact Mm -hmm. um on that you know you it's and it's it's taking that like you know that attitude of like get out of here with your hatred Mm -hmm. Mm kind of stuff because you threw my crystal yeah it kind of reminds me of how in like in like maybe places in the middle east there might be religious sites that differing religions all worship at and then they like sure get, get like you know there's like conflicts and stuff like that kind of almost but in like a, it's it's the whole you got your chocolate in my peanut butter you got your peanut butter on my chocolate kind of thing exactly um and and you know those are that those are basically in a nutshell the, the main three rings of, of at least the research i did for tonight's episode but folks there's so much there's just so much more from Mount Shasta. I mean, this is just literally the tip of the mountain, no pun intended. Um, no, you're absolutely right. I tried to start doing some research for this, and I'm so grateful for the work you did this month. Um, it's it's really difficult to try and look up like weird tales from Mount Shasta because there's just so many articles. Mm-hmm. There's so many, like, like I don't want Expedia hits. I don't want, um, you know, hits from, like, oh, here's this hiking club. I'm sure it's a great hiking club, mm-hmm. but I'm like... Give me, give me the weird Bigfoot tales, mm-hmm. you know, give me the UFO sightings, mm-hmm. um, you know, give me the interdimensional portal stuff. And that's not stuff that comes up at the top of your Google searches. <laughs> right. Um, but I did actually hop over to UFOstalker.com mm. and go diving into 
some UFO sightings mm. in the area. And my one complaint about this site is there are oftentimes um, reports that say it includes pictures, and for whatever reason, the pictures never, ever, ever load. Oh, okay. So there's a whole bunch more that I could have shared. But here's, I got this first one. This one has pictures. So if you click on it from April of uh, 2019, mm. um, and this one actually has pictures to bring up. I'll, I'll stick these, these links in the show notes okay. um, so you can see the pictures. Um, so this was at a distance of over a mile away, a duration of 24 minutes. Um, and it is said to have been hovering over the top of the mountain and then kind of took off. Um, so detailed description. Here we go. When visiting my mom in Mount Shasta on April 17th, 2019, I was out late looking to take a nighttime picture of Mount Shasta Mm. as I was taking pictures on the mountain. I'm sorry, of the mountain. Um, I called my son, who was in our vehicle park nearby, waiting for me and asked him if it was my imagination or was that star uh, just above Mount Shasta moving. Mm. He wasn't sure, but anyway, when I got home to my mom's and uploaded the pictures, I noticed that one picture with that star that I thought was moving earlier was hovering over the mountain and just below and to the right as you look at the picture there was a gray cigar shaped object and something on the side of it reaching up toward the dishwasher being done up toward that star that picture was taken at 10 30 p.m with a 20 second shutter speed the very next picture a minute later at 10 31 the star had taken off from the mountain and left a light trail and also the object on the mountain was no longer there there are no more shots from that night of that star that has unusual shapes and light around it, and the other stars in the sky do not have. My son and I were curious to see if we could get pictures of it the next night on the 18th, and around the same time, we were able to get even more shots that have baffled us mm. of the star or whatever it is because of the strange lights and trails we captured around it. Now, obviously, some of the trails, you've got a 20-second shutter speed, you know, you're pulling in that much light. If there is movement, mm. you're going you're gonna to get a little bit... But I'll be honest, I'm looking at one of the pictures right now, and there are a couple of stars in the distance, right, where you kind of look at it and go, okay, that's definitely a star. Whatever is above the edge of the mountain in this picture is many magnitudes brighter and many times larger. Mm than the stars in the distance like this isn't this isn't a star like you know you're looking at venus but it's really the second picture that is super interesting because it literally it's kind of started to take on kind of an almost almond saucer like shape and there is a very you know um you know 45 50 degree angle just straight line trail of light going from the end of this thing down toward uh uh the edge of the mountain as you look at it so if 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 nothing else that at least at least gives the sense that it is starting to move up and away at an angle and and this one even has even more stars in the background and it's like none of them hold a candle oh wow to this object, whatever it is. It's very interesting. Oh, okay. Um, But like I said, I will put that link in the show notes, so if you want to check that out, you absolutely can. This other one comes from July of 2014. This is a weird one. Okay. So, um, yeah, it occurred July 28th, 2014. Okay, so... Bear with me a second, because I'm a grammarian, and a lot of the people who write these detailed descriptions, I don't know if they're doing it on a phone, 
or they're not really worried about capitalization or, you know, quotation marks or quotation marks and extra quotation marks. I don't know. Anyway, 2.30 p.m., right? So middle of the day, July 28th, 2014, I just witnessed an object in the sky in Mount Shasta, California. The location was at Lake Siskiyou Camp Resort. Mm. I witnessed the object from the beach looking out the window of my cooking truck. Um, So I'm assuming he's in the cooking truck at the beach at this lake. Mm. The object looked like a piece of mercury or a metal drop in the sky. The object was reflective, but it wasn't from lights coming from the object. Mm. It looked like it was reflecting the sun. The object looked out of place, which caught my eye. I stared at the object for about 15 seconds. It didn't move like an arrow aeroplane, A-E-R-O plane, or helicopter. It moved like a mouse on a computer screen, but in a perfect straight line. That's the weird part. I was losing sight of the object from the window where I'm at. Oh, I was losing sight of the object from the window. Pause. Where I'm at, the sky is wide open. Uh, As it's a partly cloudy day, but there were no clouds in the path of the object. I ran outside to try and track it, when I ran around the corner to look in the direction of Mount Shasta, where it looked like the path in the sky that the object was traveling, it was gone. Mm. Awkward sentence. Anyway, at the speed the object was traveling, I still should have been able to see it in the sky if it was a plane or a helicopter. It was just gone. The object made no noise. It just looked out of place, like it wasn't flying in the sky, but almost like it was a fly on a TV screen. Whoa. Part of the view you're looking at, but not... Wait. Something like a fly on a TV screen. Part of the view you're looking at, but not in the screen. Mm-hmm. I looked around at all of the people on the beach, but it didn't look like anyone else was looking up the sky. This is the, my fourth object I've seen in this area that I would say is a UFO. Oh. First one I've seen during the day. Oh my god. Yeah. Sadly, no pictures on this one, oh. but that just sounded so bizarre. Yeah. I had to throw that in there. Yeah, it's like sure. here's this 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 metal droplet. This 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 you know, streak of mercury moving across the sky like you're moving your cursor across the screen. How creepy. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. I thought that one was really weird. Hmm. So I figure, what the heck, let's see what the cipher has. Yeah, cipher time. Because because we, we do love the cipher around here. We feel like it definitely has some validity to it. So I toss Shasta. Right. Shasta in the cipher has a value of merely 40. Okay. Okay. But one of the first hits I get, alter, mm. um, vast, and then chi, C-H-I. And of course, chi, if you're familiar with Eastern philosophies and stuff, it is a vital life force. Oh, interesting. Right? I don't know if you remember, Seb, but our dad would always talk about, like, if he's dropped, you know, um, a nut or a bolt down into into something and you can't see it Mm. and you're kind of like doing something by feel he's like i'm using my chi Mm. Mm -hmm. to you know reach it Mm. and extract it and stuff that's um so interesting yeah that we kind of have these kind of like religious and spiritual kind of connections um now add mount to it Mm -hmm. look at mount shasta it has a value of 123 um any being, uh, we get the word fantastic, which it definitely is. Um, primal joy. Um, if we had Shasta was altar, Mount Shasta also equals temple. Oh, that's interesting. That is an interesting one. Um, 
we have the beat. So either a bunch of hippies at a drum circle, or maybe the heartbeat, mm. um, the slopes. Oh yeah. Not not, not surprisingly, yeah. it's uh, uh, the waters, uh, world of the old. Oh, that that could be like a lost continent. That that could be so many things. Um, the space, and then get this: Mount Shasta equals one twenty three equals below earth well that that's that's huge that goes with the tunnels and the caves like, and the hidden city yeah yeah get this it also equals giant arose oh and the giant the lemurians were giants yes yeah 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 yes it equals pinnacles okay. which is a national monument down here but also you know tall pointy objects pinnacles um mount shasta equals the knower okay right the one who knows the knower uh the warrior uh it equals the void now and then i saw it equals i am and i'm i may pronounce this a pep or a pep like a pep right like like one of the three pep boys that like pep boys automotive no no actually because they those guys have names i think it's doug manny and and something else right um, so I'm like, oh, what is a pep? Yeah, what is that? I feel I feel like this is like a like an Egyptian word or something. Mm. So I go over to Wikipedia uh-huh. because why not? Um, a pep, ancient Egyptian, right? Okay. Or Apophis in ancient Greek was the ancient Egyptian deity who embodied chaos. Oh, so I am was, chaos. Yes, and was thus the opponent of light and order or truth. Oh. Uh, he appears in art as a giant serpent. Mm. Apep was first mentioned in the 8th dynasty, and he was honored in the names of the 14th dynasty king Apepi mm-hmm. and of the greater Hyksos king Apophis. Oh, the Hyksos, yeah. Um, yeah, so I find that kind of interesting mm-hmm. because, you know, one of the things that we got out of our Hellier was that obviously Doug equaled 41, which also equaled Pan, Loki, and Hades. Mm-hmm. And he, and obviously Loki, a god of chaos, a god of mischief. Mm-hmm. Um, and now here we have Apep, mm. um, who, was, who was also viewed as an enemy of the sun god Ra. Ooh. Yeah. Um, as being a lord of chaos. Um, that I found really kind of fascinating. Now, there's also a star system mm. named Apep. So, yeah, and this is this is interesting because I know there are some uh, people who kind of, you know, connect constellations, positions of stars to positions on the Earth. So, get this. Apep is a triple star system. Okay. Containing what's called a Wolf-Rayet binary and a hot supergiant. Okay. I was going to say, look, if that's their living arrangement, I'm not going to judge them. I'm fully on board with this. Giants are hot, by the way. They're super hot. Just yes. Just to let you know. Yes. The super hot giants. Oh, my God. Um, located in the constellation of Norma. Look. Norma? Wait, wait, wait. Wait, 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 wait. There's a constellation called There's Norma? apparently a constellation. Does it, like, if you if you connect all the stars, does it look like a lady named Norma? Like Norma, I, like Norma Desmond? Or, like, I'm, how, I'm think, what other I'm Normas thinking are there? Like, uh, the one from Twin Peaks who ran the diner. Oh my god, does it look like her? I don't know, maybe. 
Why is there a constellation called Norma? Why am I not I finding? I, why am I finding this out now so late in life? Click, click on the link in the Wikipedia. Oh my God. Article, you can see it. Okay, named after the serpent deity, as we talked about, the star system is surrounded by a vast complex <laughs> of stellar wind and cosmic dust thrown into space by the high rotation speed of the binary's primary star and formed into a pinwheel shape by the secondary star's influence. Ground-based studies of the system in the 2010s concluded that the system was the best known gamma ray burst progenitor oh, candidate geez. in the Milky Way. Oh my gosh. So not only is it a lord of chaos, yeah. um, okay. and it equals, uh, you know, I am Apep. Yeah. Equals the same as Mount Shasta, but it's also <laughs> one of the best known gamma ray burst generators Yikes. in the Milky Way. That is... Wow. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Yeah. So one last one before we dive into the archives. Lem- Lemuria. Yeah. Got to throw Lemuria in here. Value of 101. Uh, we get R above. Uh-huh. Okay. We get Creep, <laughs> which is, I guess, more than just a really good Radiohead song. Um, Lemuria equals 101 equals Divine. Mm. Okay. Um, Lemuria equals 101 equals Eopan Eo, Ooh. right? So we don't get the extra pan. Um, memory, uh, mystic, Lemuria equals naked woman. Whoa, okay. Uh, Lemuria equals singing. Mm-hmm. It equals the body. Mm-hmm. It equals seeker. It equals desires, discover, double wand. Oh. We go back to the whole wand yeah. imagery uh-huh. uh, that we got with uh, uh, Hellier. Here's... Here's another one that might ring a bell from the past couple months. Lemuria equals 101 equals thy house. Mm, The name of thy house. Um, Lemuria equals a great lord. And then lastly, Lemuria equals I, a pep. We're back to the pep again. We are. We just don't have the am. We don't have, oh, we don't have the am. Like the ascended masters. Oh, wow. Holy cats. Again, not that I'm putting a bunch of stock in that stuff, but yeah. I think I think you were right to call them a bunch of splinter groups. Well, it's food for thought, nonetheless. Oh, it absolutely is. Yeah. And that, that is one of those things that I love about applying, um, you know, major term from an episode into the cipher. Because, I mean, altar for Shasta, mm-hmm. temple for Mount Shasta, you know, uh, world of the old giant arose like there are connections Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like there is something to this to say the least so i've got to ask what uh, we've now come to the end of our road trip to mount shasta what's your yeah what's your conclusion what's your takeaway what's your gut feeling Uh, oh my gosh um it's a cool place it's worth a visit Mm -hmm. um i i mean of the things that we talked about Mm -hmm. um i feel like the interdimensional portal Mm-hmm. Um, or, or the honestly, your your whole idea of maybe these people are stuck between seconds. Yeah. Um, I love that. Yeah, for sure. That's I. That's my head cannon. That's what I want mm-hmm. to be the answer. Right. Um. I don't. I don't know that there is one singular answer. I think it can be a multitude mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of things. But I, I. I think. Um. You know. I. I think a lot of the stuff that we get from from what's his name Toendal, mm-hmm. um, is is really really fascinating. Mm. Um. A lot of those stories are very. I don't know. There's 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 a um, like an authenticity. There's an authentic feel to them. Mm-hmm. Right. This isn't somebody 
you know, showing up on somebody else's land and being like, hey, this white dude from 500 years ago says I belong here. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. What do you think? What do you, what, what do you think is the... I think, I think there's just so much more to learn. I mean, for one thing, I did see a reference that I... I saw a published reference that said up at California State University, Chico, they have hand-typed transcripts of old audio recordings, wire recordings made in the 40s of people that were interviewing people in Mount Shasta asking about crazy legends and stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I saw that and I was like, oh my gosh, I want to read that. And then I, I emailed the university and they're like, yeah, we don't know what you're talking about. We don't have those. And it totally broke my heart. But now I'm like, where is this stuff? I want to... It's like, I want to listen to people's recordings from the 40s talking about lizard and stuff, you know? Yeah, I'd honestly, I'd be really curious because this was never something I, I was able to do, you know, on like like the one weekend. Yeah. I'd be up in that area um, in, in the dead of winter, basically, is, is to kind of go up and actually, you know, see what there is in terms of like library research and, you know, the local historical society. Can you imagine the stuff that that historical society oh probably, yeah. you know, has, has access to and, and has, has been given in terms of like, here's all this weird stuff in our weird area. I just want to know, like, I just want to go up there and see like what I really love, I know I saw one place online where there's like a cafe up there and you can order the Lemurian burger. Oh yes, you know I what saw I mean? you share that. And totally. it's like I want to know how much of that, like that kind of stuff, is up there too. You know, not necessarily the shops that sell crystals, but like the bar that has like the happy hour Lemurian cocktail. Like that's yep. I want to I want to get that vibe going. Too, you know, what I'm saying? and really, do Lemurians taste like chicken? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious. I know, right? Well, I tell you, every month, Seb is going to dig into the old-timey newspaper archives to unearth a story of high strangeness. So, Seb, what do we have this month? Well, folks, we have, thanks to courtesy of friend of the podcast and my coworker named Jeff, we have an article from the Pacific Rural Press newspaper of April 19th. 1879 we're sticking with the california mountain theme and here we have an article titled the ship of the desert outdone oh i think i've heard about the ship of the desert well here we go a report comes from the sierra nevada mountains of the discovery of the timbers of a stranded vessel resembling those of a chinese junk the timber resembles camphor wood and it is said still retains a faint smell the fastenings are of copper a number of bones supposedly human were also found in the vicinity and upon the adjacent slopes there is abundant evidence shells and petrified fish that this valley has at one time been an inland sea is admitted by geologists but that these waters were navigated by seamen one or two thousand years ago has never been claimed, even by the Chinese themselves. But these same people do claim to have been the original discoverers of this country, and this find seems to give color to the claim. So, wow, geez, an ancient Chinese ship, petrified ship up in the mountains here in California. Yeah. So that's kind of crazy. I, I've, I have heard that legend mm. before. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um... And I know that there is, I mean, at least one, you know, like, I don't know, Travel Channel, Discovery Channel, mm. something like that special, mm-hmm. um, where where they've tried to locate it. Mm. Okay. Um, and, of course, it was one of those things where it's like, oh, yeah, well, here's this ground-penetrating radar. You know, we, we think we've got it. And they dig, and it's absolutely not. Uh-huh. It. Um, but it is a great legend. Yeah. 
it is really cool kind of reminds me of like a noah's ark kind of thing you know oh totally yeah you know um and they they've done a lot to try and show how at one point you know certain tributaries and stuff could have been high enough to allow Mm. a ship to get that far inland oh interesting okay yeah yeah it's interesting stuff very cool yeah well that is it for this month heck that is it for 2022 wow you guys holy moly thank you for joining us on this adventure into the weirdness that surrounds us every day um if you got an experience you want to share with us or if you got questions email us over at allnightgeeks at gmail.com you can follow us on twitter for the time being (laughs) yeah we're we're gonna see what happens um we we may be restarting our our instagram who knows but you can follow us on twitter for the time being at all night geeks uh you can follow me at bus 71 you can follow seb at clan mcmuffin absolutely hey subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts apple stitcher spotify and be sure to rate and review us as well just as importantly please share us with your friends talk about us over thanksgiving dinner or you know christmas uh dinner uh, word of mouth goes a long way to spread the love around and we would appreciate it if you would tell at least one friend about the podcast uh, big thanks as always go out to the ghoulies for letting us use hot rods from outer space from their album midnight in america as our intro and outro music please go give them a follow over on the social medias and hit up the ghoulies denver.bandcamp.com to buy their music We've got merch. We're coming up with ideas for more merch. Maybe if I get bored over the holiday, I will start working on it. Um, that's over at shop.spreadshirt.com slash N-O-T-L-G. That's right, shirts, buttons, even stickers. Go check that out. And huge thanks, as always, to Kate the Steam Powered Mouse for doing the show's artwork. Um, you know, getting into the holiday time, it is important to help local businesses, local artists, support them by whatever they're making um which hopefully is cool stuff for your friends and family um and if you've done that and your shopping's done and you still want to throw a few bones our way we would appreciate it to keep the lights on and the hosting going that's over at patreon.com slash n-o-t-l-g so folks that is it for this month that is it for 2022 we will catch you next month we'll catch you next year and in the meantime get out and find something weird happy holidays folks good night Is that correct? Right, right. I think so.